She has been faithful leader here at Gateway South. She helps lead our Hearing God workshop, uh, our Awaken uh, Tuesday night sessions that happen here um, that just bring some more intimacy and some more closeness in prayer and worship with God. She's a great friend. She laughs at some of my jokes, most of my jokes more than other people. And <laughs> I laugh at all of her. She's really, really funny. You'll get to see that. But I am so excited. I'm always challenged, always encouraged. Anytime we have a conversation, anytime we get to hear, uh, hear from Tara. So could you help me give a, a warm welcome and amazing round of applause for Tara Browder? Thank you. Wow, it is my honor to be here today. I think it's, it's, it's especially an honor to uh, share a message on January 2nd, entering into the new year, on your mark, I said, go, you know, like, like something that is, uh, I believe really on God's heart for all of us, something that I've been on a journey with God pretty much my whole life, but there's been a heightened, just awareness of what I'm going to talk about with you today, the past six months for me. Um, and my heart is to, whenever I share a message, it be a message that, uh, I have personally walked through. It's not just something that I've heard about, but it's something that God has, um, birthed and processed in me. Um, too. Uh, and I will weave some of my own personal journey in with what I share today in this message. So, um, so thank you. Thank you for having me here today. And you'll see throughout this message today that's titled From Wilderness to Promise. I love that. I love that we, we have something to look forward to, that when, when, metaphorically speaking, when God brings us out of Egypt, that he is not just bringing us um, from something, he's saving us for something. He doesn't just save us from things, he saves us for things. Isn't that good news? That there is a, a promised land on the other side of wilderness. Now, I know the last couple of years, especially collectively across the planet, um, the church, capital C, the church, has been going through really a wilderness. Anybody feel like in some ways you can relate to the Israelites who came out of Egypt and then they were in the middle for a while, a couple of years, they were going through the wilderness until they got to the Jordan. It's like, oh, we have another body of water to cross. <laughs> and there's a promised land on the other side of that. But they, they have to trust in what God has spoken about that promised land because that promised land has giants. Anybody felt like you've been up against some giants over the past couple of years or in your own kind of personal wilderness of that middle space in between what you've been saved from uh, to what you've been saved for. Anyone relate? Yes, me too. And so um, maybe you've heard that God makes people promises when we think about the promised land. Maybe um, you have personally experienced God making you a promise, whether it's through a dream or through just a seed or a desire that he's placed in your heart. Um, but I'm, I, 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 I want to talk about two different types of promises today. One is the general promises that are made to all of us who follow God. There are over 7,000 promises in Scripture given to all of us. Isn't that good news? God is a promise maker, but most importantly, he's also a promise keeper. <laughs> he's not a God that he should lie. So here's some of those general promises. So Deuteronomy 31, 6 says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. You've probably heard that before. God will never leave you or forsake you. That's a very common promise that people will quote. It's on 
refrigerator magnets and cards, greeting cards, you know, to encourage us. And that is a general promise made to all. Then we also have Jeremiah 29, 11. Graduates love this. It's on their cards. It's on magnets on the fridge too. It says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. So all of us in this room, if you might say, I don't know that God's really ever made me a promise. Maybe you're on a, a, a new journey of like, this whole God thing and does he exist and is Jesus real and is he God and all that. Wherever you are on that spectrum, God makes a promise that for all of us, he has prepared a future for us, a good future. And in our partnership with him, um, we will obtain that. And so this is really good news for us today. This is really good news in this hour, in this day. But in addition to the promises that he makes all of us, God also has personal, intimate relationship with each person, and he will make individual promises. So for example, a lot of times for me, those, is, those have come in the form of just God ideas or thoughts or sensings or seeds, almost like seeds that he's planted in my heart. Um, desires, if you will. Not every desire I have is of God. Uh, but uh, through relationship with him and community and processing those things out in prayer, I could begin to discern and decipher um, what's coming from him and what might be coming from my own idea or what might be both. I love it when it's both, when my heart is unified with his heart and um, I can see those things come to pass. Um, so what does uh, that look like? Well, for me in seventh grade, yes, seventh grade, God gave me a promise. That was a long time ago. And I would love to come here and say, I love it when messages, you could just wrap them up in a little bow and they're all perfect. And I could say, um, I know for certain that God keeps promises because he made me a promise in seventh grade and it came to pass when I was in college. No, this is a promise that I'm still waiting on. So I lay before you a promise that God made me in seventh grade. I'll let you determine in your own minds and hearts how long ago that was. But in seventh grade, God made me a promise. He made me a promise, and this is how he did it. I was just praying. I, my, I love that my mom um, very much was intentional about teaching me how to talk with God and actually um, taught me how God actually likes to speak back, <laughs> that it's two-way communication. I'm not just leaving a voicemail for Jesus when I pray, that actually he wants to talk to me. And um, so as, as a seventh grade young lady, I um, asked God, I said, God, do you well, I have children one day. Do you want me to have children? And in that moment, I didn't hear this audible voice, but there was a very strong sense of just, yes. Yes, I do. And then right after that, I, in my uh, just mind, just thoughts, the same way if I said, imagine a hot fudge Sunday right now. Can you imagine that? Okay. That same place where you just saw that hot fudge Sunday when I said, God, do you want children for me? you want me to have children? And I heard yes. And I literally saw in that place in my mind, a name spelled out. It wasn't a common name, like Jennifer or Sarah. It was an uncommon name. In fact, I actually went out and told my parents, God just spelled this name. I don't even, I think it's a girl's name. <laughs> and I shared it with my parents. It turns out it was a Greek word. It was actually a word. And, um, 
Ever since then, that moment and one other time when I was 13, I had a dream about this little girl. And that dream has been on my heart since seventh grade. That is a personal promise that I still believe for. So much so, I have an empty picture frame waiting for her picture to go in there. I have a little outfit that says, you are worth the wait. My belief in God's promises connected with action. But it hasn't been easy. So let me talk about process with promises. Because the easy part is getting the promise. That's the fun part. All right? So God makes a promise. It's a dream. It's a seed. He puts something in our heart. Then that our character is tested. If we're going to use the the exodus as a metaphor, um, character is developed through perseverance, through process, through testing. So as the Israelites were in the wilderness, God was not only setting them free from Egypt, he was getting Egypt out of them. And so they had a process to go through. So for two years, and of course, we, if you're familiar with the story, even if you've just seen Prince of Egypt, you know about the plagues and exit out of Egypt. The, there had to be a trust of God. His provision was there miraculously in the wilderness. But we also have a lot of Israelites that were intent on complaining. And many times thought, oh, it was so much better where we used to be. We didn't have to eat the same thing every day. Um, you know, uh, it wasn't like this. It wasn't hard like this. We weren't in the desert. And they quickly forgot God's provision and they quickly forgot his promises. So much so that an entire generation died in the wilderness. An entire generation did not step into what God had promised because of their complaint, because of their eyes were more set on Egypt than they were on what God had spoken. That's very humbling and very, um, I think that puts a sense of, uh, I don't know, this sobering concept in our heart of the reality that we can actually, when we don't partner with God and trust him, we can actually abort the promise. You know, and, and, and God in this recent season of my own has spoken to me clearly about the difference between aborting a promise and miscarrying a promise and carrying a promise to completion, which his grace is there for. So God miraculously brings the Israelites out of Egypt after 430 years of slavery, but yet their tippy toes are touching the Jordan and spies have been sent out into the land. If you want to read more about this, you can. Um, I would encourage you to read Exodus and Numbers. If this message speaks to you today in any way, shape, or form, dig into the story of the Exodus and in, in, in Exodus and Numbers in Scripture to see how this all plays out, and even the book of Joshua and how um, the Israelites did cross and enter into God's promises. It is has been very encouraging to me, especially over the last two years to hold on to what God has spoken. But I'll summarize it for you here. So they're at the Jordan. They've been in the wilderness for two years and spies are sent in across the Jordan to go and scope out the land, the land of promise that God has spoken of. There are 12 people that go. All of them come back with a report. And the Bible talks about how Joshua and Caleb came back with the report that there were giants in the land There were things that the people were going to have to face, but it was good territory. 
And it was exactly what God had spoken. But then there were 10 other spies. They said the same thing. It was good land, but there were giants. But they began to continue to spread a negative report throughout the land. In fact, in, um, in Numbers 13, we'll just go there quickly. Um, let's go to um, verse 26. So they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at the desert of Paran, and they reached to the, they reported to them that the whole, to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. So they were showing them all these things, talking about the fortified cities there, the giants, but also the good stuff. And even the ones, the 10 spies, they said that we can't, we can't uh, take this land. It says in verse 31, it said, the men who had gone up with Joshua and Caleb said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report. Have you ever heard the enemy whispering a bad report to you? Have you heard any bad reports on the news lately? All right. I don't care what station you listen to. You're going to hear a bad report the minute you go on there. There's going to be a bad report somewhere. It's like bad news seems to be what's on the news. But I love the fact that God has good news despite all the bad news that's going on around us. Because God has made us general promises and many of us specific promises that we are contending for. And it got to the point, and um, if you can read on your own in the coming days, the book of Numbers or Numbers 14 specifically, it got to the point where um, the people were crying out, we wish we had just died in Egypt. I mean, that was how discouraged they were from the bad report. Have you ever felt that after you kind of read through the news for about five or 10 minutes, you start to feel like life is over? I mean, this began to spread throughout the camp. But the Bible tells us that Joshua and Caleb had a different spirit. They had an opposite spirit of what was going on in the land. And they believed the promise more than in the power of the giants, in the power of the things that they would have to face like COVID. They believed in God's promise more than the giants around them. And as a result, they were able to lead an entire generation into the promised land. It's very interesting. They had been in the wilderness for two years when this spying took place. And then um, because of the complaints and because of things that were arising and because of the belief in the bad report, a whole generation dies in the wilderness. But Joshua and Caleb, who had obeyed God and listened to him and even had a different spirit, still had to wait 38 more years to enter into that promise and to lead people into that. That's sometimes the sacrifice of leadership, to carry the weightiness of God's promise despite everything that's going on around. God is inviting us to dream with him. I see Facebook posts even in the first couple days, couple days of this year. People say, I'm just, because the last two years have been the way they've been, I'm starting out 2022 with no expectation. Well, that sounds horrible. That sounds like a horrible place to be, to live in a place of zero expectancy when God has called us to dream with him and to believe in his promise. Mary, you know that lady that we've been talking about a whole month of December and Jesus and all that and the birth of Jesus, remember her? She said, blessed is the one who believed that he would do what he promised. So that's where the blessing is. It's not in saying, I have zero expectation. 
The blessing is having expectation. Is it painful? Absolutely. Is it hard for me to look at an empty picture frame of something that God promised me when I was in seventh grade? Yes. But God also gave Abraham the stars. God gave Abraham the sands of the shore to remind him of his promises. We need visual aids sometime. Yes, we need some visual aids. Some of y'all that have had some promises about family, children, husband, wives, get yourself an empty picture frame. And every time you look at it, that's going to be filled one day <laughs> with my family. And it's not easy. It's not easy to have the promise of God in front of you. It's not easy to get up here and say, I, in fact, I even ask God, God, what do I have to say about this? All I have is a dream. I can't even tell these people on Sunday morning that you did it yet. I don't have this like picture that we can pop up here of my husband and my children. I can't wrap this up in a little, you know, boat. But God was like, but the good news, Tara, is, is that the same thing that Joshua and Caleb were experiencing? All they had was a little teensy little glimpse of the promised land. That's all they had. They didn't have much more than everyone else. So much so that an entire generation said, but their children got to go in. Their children got to go in. Grandmamas, grandpapas, mamas, dads in here, you are called to be like Joshua and Caleb. You are called to dream. You are called to teach your children to dream. Don't stop dreaming. Don't pass it to them. You dream too. Don't say, I'll die in the wilderness. You go across. Let's go together. Let's go together. God has called us to an intergenerational move. Let's go together. Let's dream with him. So how does that take place? How do we even do that? Well, we have an example of kind of maybe how not to do the wilderness, like the Israelites. One time somebody came up to me and they said, you know, I've been in a wilderness for 38 years. And I just, yeah, I've just been in a wilderness. And I said, wow, that's almost as long as the Israelites. I said, you aren't supposed to be in a wilderness that long. Jesus did wilderness in 40 days. <laughs> you know, and Jesus in Luke chapter four, it talks about when Jesus did wilderness, he went into the wilderness full of the spirit, but he came out of the wilderness in the power of the spirit. So he came out of the wilderness in the power of something. Do you want to come out of the wilderness in the power of something and not die in the wilderness? Jesus did not die in the wilderness. He came out of the wilderness and he fed the 5,000. He came out of the wilderness and he healed the sick and he raised the dead and he died on the cross and he resurrected again. Aren't you glad he came out of the wilderness? We are not designed to stay there. We are designed to go through it. And the Spirit of God led Jesus through the wilderness. And the Spirit of God was leading the Israelites through the wilderness. And if they would yield, they would cross into his promises. If they would yield to him. And that is my desire. That is my heart. Is I want to be like Joshua and Caleb. I want to be like Jesus. Where I can lead a generation into the promised land and not die in the wilderness the wilderness of my own disappointment, the wilderness of my own hopelessness and despair, the wilderness of my lack of belief and hope and faith. I don't want to die there. 
I want to cross into what God has and take a lot of people with me. And I think you do too. And so preparing to go from wilderness to promise, what does that look like? Practically, how do you walk that out? These are some of the things that God has convicted me of and showed me in my own life of how to stay on track with God and his promises and not divert from that. I don't want to spend 40 years in the wilderness. I've waited almost as long as Joshua and Caleb for children and a husband. You know, but I don't want to spend 40 years in the wilderness. The posture of my heart, even in the wilderness, can be towards the promise and towards God. And so the first thing is not putting our hope on pause. So many times we'll say, when COVID's over, I'll hope and dream. When this is over or when this happens, when I get married, when I have a child, when I get pregnant, when I, when I have that job, when I have that thing that I want, then I'll hope, then I'll dream, then I'll trust. And it never works that way in relationship with God. When you read throughout scripture, every person that was called a friend of God, every person that had a close relationship with him, he invited them into this relationship where he gives promises. Because that's where, that's the seedbed where he teaches us to trust him and to have faith in him and to love him even when we don't see the fulfillment yet because he's greater than the promise. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not human that he should lie. That's really good news. That's another promise. Anybody ever been lied to, cheated on? God does not lie. He's not a human being that he'd change his mind. Does he speak and not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? And the answer is no. He always fulfills what he promises. He always does what he speaks. Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is the tree of life. A desire realized is a tree of life. Who defers their hope? We do. Defer means put on pause. Defer means I'll hope at a later date when I feel like I can. But see, Abraham in Romans, it talks about how he hoped against hope. He believed before the promise. When he was, the Bible says, as a dead man. I mean, he was like old really old. And he was still believing God for what God had promised, a son, a son in old age. We can't wait for something to stimulate us in our minds and our hearts to have hope. It's our responsibility in God to say, God, stir up my hope. God, forgive me for places where I have put that on pause. My children need me to dream. The next generation needs me to dream. My promises are not just for me. They're for them too. So my dream and desire and, and, and God's promise to me for children doesn't just have something to do with me. It has something to do with them and their generation. And just like with Joshua and Caleb, Joshua and Caleb were the only, there were millions that came out of Egypt. Two people, two from that generation got a hold of God's promise and said, we're going to go in with the young people. They had, talk about peer pressure. They had an entire generation of people around them saying, this ain't going to work. Two from that generation crossed. Two of them led that, that other generation into the promised land. I want to be like them. 
I want to be like them. And so I don't want to carry disappointment. I heard recently someone called disappointment addiction to the past. I don't want to be addicted to the past. I want to deal with my past. I want to get healed of my past. I want God to heal disappointment, but I certainly don't want it to dictate my life because then my past becomes my present and my future. And so um, I feel like those of y'all that were at like 9.15, I'm preaching a totally different message at 11 o'clock. I just kind of had an out-of-body experience here. But anyway, so um, anyway, um, but... <laughs> So gratitude and worship is another focal point in all of this. But before I go there, I want to tell you about a dream I had. I wish I could say it was 10 years ago. It was actually about a month ago. You know, I, because of promises, not just the one I told you about, but other ones. I mean, I won't tell them all, but just like we don't have time to talk about the 7,000 in scripture or more, I, we don't have time to go over the one, all the ones that God has shared with me. But, um, you start to feel the weight as the hourglass. It's almost like the hourglass tips over every year. You get a year older every year. Did y'all know that? So my birthday is in December. And um, I didn't want to celebrate this year. I started, I, I, I was acting like a crazy person. I was like texting my friends. I don't want to celebrate. I'm just going to have a quiet day by myself. I almost had this thing, this delusion that if I didn't celebrate, I would not get another year older. It's a lie. I got a year older whether I celebrated or not. So uh, I changed my mind later and decided to celebrate. But there was something going on in my heart and I was heavy, depressed. I'm not typically um, one that has struggled with depression. I've had moments. I have a lot of compassion for those who do. Um, but I had um, some moments and days where one particular day where I was in bed all day, like just hope deferred makes the heart sick. <laughs> and I was really struggling. And I just said, Jesus, help me. I, I don't even have any other words than just help me. And I had a dream. And the gist of the dream was this. Someone was prophesying over me in the dream, someone I didn't know. And this is what they said to me. They, they actually prophesied Numbers 23, um, 19. God is not a man that he should lie. And the minute that that she said that to me in the dream, I, I screamed out just this blood-curdling scream. Ah! It was like I was like demonized or something. I mean, it was like intense. And, um, and then I said, I know what this is. Like the minute you said that and then this thing happened, I know what this is. I said, it's disappointment. And I, I, I just screamed it out. It's disappointment all my life. And it was this crushing, crushing sense in the dream, palpable. I could feel the weight of, of some of the ongoing disappointments that I experienced pretty much from conception on. And I was like, I gotta get rid of it. It's gonna keep me from what God has for me. This is what I'm saying in the dream. And the way out of it was to take my hope off pause and to worship that was the, and to obey. That was the instructions in the dream. I mean, God laid it out for me in the dream. Through friends in the dream. We need friends. I call a lot of my friends like midwives, helping me birth what God's called me to birth, literally and figuratively. But I don't abort the promise because of my own discouragement or despair or hopelessness. So worship, well, what does that look like? 
For me, in that moment, when I woke up from that dream, I had conviction because I had realized, even if it was just for a month or just for a certain period of time, a short period of time, it grieved me that I had allowed the promise to become more important than God. That I would literally withhold from him my trust. I would withhold from him my hope. And it was destroying me. And God was showing me that if I kept down that path, I wouldn't miscarry the promise. I would abort it by my own choosing to not give him my yes, no matter how long I had waited. And so I repented and I said, God, forgive me. You are greater than any promise you've ever made. The promise keeper is greater than the promise. Even if I never see the promise, I love you. You're worthy of my love regardless of whatever happens, even if the promise doesn't happen, um, you are worthy of my love, my worship, my yes, my obedience. And um, as I was spending time with God on New Year's Eve, he asked me what my favorite moment of the year was. And so I, I told him what my favorite moment of the year was, as between me and him. But then I asked him, what was your favorite moment? And uh, because again, communication with God being two-way, that's prayer. (laughs) So what was your favorite moment? And he said, the moment you prayed that prayer, and you told me that the promise wasn't as important as I was, that I was more important and more significant to you than any promise. And he reminded me of that moment with Abraham. When Abraham took the promise, he'd had the promise for probably 10 years or more. He'd already had the promise. He took it up the mountain to sacrifice the promise, but then also told the servant, we'll be right back. I love that. Wild. How is trust of God? But yet he had this obedience and this trust held in the same heart. But in that moment, there was this intimate, that's why Abraham was called a friend of God. Because he had this intimate moment with God where God was like, now I know. Now I know that not even a promise will shift your love for me. Not even the lack of a promise will shift it. The enemy cannot penetrate that kind of faith, that kind of love, that kind of adoration, that kind of commitment, that kind of loyalty. The enemy can't mess with that. (laughs) When you love God like that, the enemy can't even hold the promise up to you and say, choose this instead of Jesus. Get angry at God because he didn't give this to you yet. When that doesn't even work, wow, that's friendship with God. That's friendship with God. You know, Mary, I've, I've mentioned this before, but when she gave God her yes, because she gets this promise, of, I mean, come on, y'all. She, she had a promise that was way rough than probably anything we'll ever have to believe for. <laughs> you will conceive a child without doing what you need to do to conceive a child. Now, that's one to struggle to believe for. But this is what she said. Being unto me as you have spoken. And we could say that to God with our promises. Maybe I didn't hear him right. Okay, be it unto me, God, as you spoke to me. I give you my yes. My yes is an empty picture frame that I look at. My yes is every day thanking God for the family that he has for me and the family I already have, my family and people around me that God has given me. That's my yes. My yes is saying my hope is in you, even though I've waited almost as long as Caleb and Joshua. 
That's my yes. And sometimes all, it's all we have is our yes. And God loves that little yes. I'll close with this kind of connection story with, with David, you know, David with Goliath and how the armies of the living God were being mocked and defied by Goliath for 40 days. Does that ring a bell? 40 days? Anybody? Pay attention earlier. Jesus was in the wilderness 40 days. Okay. Incidentally, also, Joshua and Caleb spied out the land for 40 days. But for 40 days, you know, this is going on where Goliath is, is mocking the army of the living God, mocking God. And then David, who's just bringing his brother's lunch, teenage boy, comes in there. If you're a teenager, if you're young, listen to this. God doesn't despise you because you're youth. He comes in there and he's watching this happen. Like, what in the world? This trained, seasoned, equipped army of the living God is listening to this report for 40 days. And he's like, who is this uncircumcised Philistine who defies the army of the living God? Because he was remembering his history with God and how he wrestled a lion and a bear to the ground. And he knew God was greater than that. And he ran at Goliath with a slingshot. His belief was connected with action. That was his yes. That was his obedience. That was his sacrifice. That was his, when we trust God, our belief is connected with action. And it starts with our yes. So God is looking for ones who are more aware of his words, his voice, his heart in this hour. We can shed off disappointment right now. That's all I did in the dream. It's got to go. And then the way I could shed that is I shift my focus and my addiction to the past towards a loving God who has made me promises. And let me remind you, what God walked me through my life and in the last six months wasn't just for me. It was for you. This, what I'm teaching today is being modeled before us. What God has put in you is not just for you. It's for them. It's for your sphere of influence. We need mothers and fathers, grandmothers and grandfathers in this day and hour who dream and who lead another generation to dream. So many kids and teens and college students are shutting off their dreams. They're suicidal. They're depressed. And they need us to challenge them to dream. And that means we can't stop dreaming. By God's grace and with our partnership, we will not die in the wilderness. Amen. We will not. There, there are ones who are coming after us who desperately need to see us dream, to see us go into God's promises. They need those testimonies. They need those stories. We need Davids who will run at giants instead of away from them. We need Joshua's and Caleb's and a generation who will run towards the giants instead of away from them. COVID is not greater than our God. Even if COVID 
has taken people we have loved, it is still not greater than our God. Then we have to keep looking towards him and the promises. God is our hope. We can trust him. We can trust his report over any other report. He will do what he said. He'll do it. Let's commit this year and beyond to partner with him and to believe and hope again. And so God, right now, I pray that we could do again right now in this room what you invited me to do when I had that dream about disappointment. Just stand with me. Just stand with me. I'm going to connect with God here personally. God, we surrender. We surrender disappointment to you. We acknowledge that, those, that there have been disappointments this year, last year, the year before, the year before that. But God, we will not be addicted to the past. God, we want to be addicted to you and your promises and what you say. And God, we know that we may have had a past, but you also have a good future for us. So God, we surrender those disappointments. We take our hope off pause by your grace. And we trust you today. We choose to enter this year with expectancy. And God, you are faithful. You do not disappoint us. And God, as we worship you now, as we worship and we pray, with just this song of like, this is the story I'll tell. God, you write the best stories. You write the best stories. And you have a good story for each of our lives, a plan of hope. So God, as we worship you, as we turn towards you with the promise, you're greater than that promise. We surrender to you today and we give you our yes. And our empty picture friends. We trust you. We love you, Jesus. Amen.